Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Insider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show, is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter. Jake can be found at jmendel94. Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show. Turkey Day is just three days away, and we actually have something to be thankful for. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show, where we are going to recap Miami's 24-17 to win over the New York Jets. But before we do that, before we talk about another soon-to-be free agent that Dolphin fans would love to sign, including myself, I got to welcome in my co-host, Joshua Houts. Josh, how you doing today, my friend? Jake, I'm doing wonderful. The Dolphins are streaking, and I'm not quite ready to take my shirt and pants off yet and go out there and join them. But if they keep this up, I think we'll both be ready to go out there and join them. How are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. I want to sit here and say that the Dolphins are playing meaningful football. I don't think I'd go that far just yet, but I think we can agree it's not not meaningful football, right? Yeah, they're playing inspired. They're playing much different than they did earlier in the year. And 
you know, we don't know what what the issue is. We can't sit here and point our finger at exactly what the problem was early, but this looks like that Dolphins team, Jake, that we really did expect to see, you know, right out the gate in September. And Josh, it's that time of the year where we get to bring out one of my favorite, favorite keywords for the entire football season, and that is in the hunt. The week of Thanksgiving is when you really start to see that come in. So uh, let, let's sit here and talk about this for a quick second. The Dolphins are now four and seven, creeping back into that playoff hunt. Uh, a couple more depressing notes. Well, I guess it's a little bit of sweet, a little bit of sour here. Uh, New England is the third seed because, of course, we cannot get Ooh. these flies to go away. No matter how much we try to swat, we just hear that Mac Jones just buzz in our ear. Buffalo has fallen to the seventh seed. Um, and Josh, weirdly enough, being the most Dolphins thing ever, um, they have beaten the current number two and number three seeds of the AFC. That'd be New England and Baltimore. And of course, Josh, two of their three losses, or excuse me, two of their three wins also come against bottom feeders, two of the three worst teams. But that third worst team, we have Houston, the Jets, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that did beat the Dolphins. So, I mean, there is no middle ground for this team, man. They they're, have a collision course towards average but it's such a high variance of super awesome and super terrible just butting heads right at the middle just coming together and just colliding i mean i wish i had a better voice because i feel like i need to go and do that jingle for the that so raven song i know i talked about before but this is not the perfect time to play that that so dolphins because you're sitting here rattling off the teams they beat and they you know you could sit here and argue that they're a playoff contender then you look at the teams they lost to and it's just Again, same old Dolphins, but I'm glad that, you know, they changed that thing around this week and, and they were able to go up there, Jake, and, and take advantage of the New York Jets and, and come out of there with that victory. Because I don't know if you saw it, Jake, but it, it looked like an awesome time for fans. You know, that MetLife takeover, everything that Dolphins NYC put on, it looked like an awesome time. And if the Dolphins would have lost that game, there would have been a lot of sad faces heading back to their cars. Yeah, man, I went there once, and I think the first play of the game, Jarvis Landry caught a touchdown or something. I, this had to be like 2018, I think. And then the Jets just blew out the Dolphins. Robbie Anderson had a, caught a bomb, and, and it was just it was a miserable day at MetLife. But Josh, this win for the Miami Dolphins means that the Dolphins now lead the all-time series between these two at 56, 55, and 1. Yes, Josh, these teams have tied once, and I'm you might have seen this tweet that came from Tim Reynolds, the Associated Press. Uh, he always puts out some good stuff. Josh, when was the last time the Dolphins led the series between the Jets? So you actually had the answer because I saw this and I, I was just going to throw some random ass uh, date out. I have no idea, Jake. When was it? It was 21 years ago, Josh. How crazy is that? You, you weren't even alive. How... Jeez. <laughs> I actually had to think about that. I'm like, wait, I wasn't that. I'm like, wait, yes, yes. I was like five, dude. <laughs> that is so scary when you think about how, uh, you know, how much the Dolphins or the Jets, I should say, have struggled over recent years. And that the fact that the Dolphins were in this big of a hole uh, in terms of the series matchup. Did you did you honestly hide that in white font so I couldn't yep. see it? What the hell kind of <laughs> you know, that's that's the professor in you. I mean, that that is that's great. I saw you highlight that and I'm like, wait, it did not say 21 years ago. So uh, kudos to you for making that font white and hiding that in the in the rundown. That's great. You'll love to see it, Josh. I got to I got to show I'm still a that was great. innovative millennial once in a while. Right. So, Josh, let's get in and let's start with the defense here, because I think we both thought this could be a game where, you know, if the Dolphins are that team that's trending in the right direction, um, this is where you start to stuff the stats a little bit in terms of, you know, maybe you have a two or four touchdown game. You pick off Joe Flacco three times and you get that turnover ratio looking really, really nice. That isn't what happened. We kind of thought this would this would be 
the script of the game where it'd be a little close. There'd be a couple turnovers that really decide the game. And man, it was Brandon Jones who absolutely devoured Joe Flacco. It was second and goal from Miami's five yard line came up right behind him. Flacco coughed the ball up. And the first reaction I had, Josh, when I saw that play was why does everyone want to be like Robert Hunt? Because we have Christian Wilkins streaking down the sideline for 20 yards. I think Javon Holland like twists his ankle on the play. I mean, we need the defensive lineman and offensive lineman to get like two touches a game just so they stop being so aggressive and moving the ball downfield because that's how players get hurt. Yeah, man. I mean, I, they were just everywhere. I mean, the thing that scared me most was the way Javon Holland looked like his legs got bent up, you know, after that yeah. ball came out, but man, dude, that hit he put on Joe Flacco. I mean, I'm surprised he even can't walked away from that. I mean, it felt just like the Bryce Petty thing without the guy coming around in front of him. He had no idea Brandon Jones was there. Absolutely. You know, laid a vicious hit stick ball pounced up and awesome job for the Miami Dolphins. And I think it did stop a, a pretty promising drive there by the Jets. I mean, I think they were you know, going down the field pretty well. And I think that is what you said, Jake. The biggest thing that was a little bit of a surprise here was when Joe Flacco was announced as a starter, we all kind of joked and laughed and thought that, you know, the Dolphins were going to go up there and handle their business. But that wasn't the case. A 7-7 game going into the half, Jake. We had the two missed field goals. I mean, it just seemed like such a Dolphins game. Did it? Did it not just seem like the perfect Dolphins game heading into the half? And at that point, you're just wondering, are they going to find a way to lose this game? Josh, it seems like it's the team from last year, but it has those couple plays, whether it's Jason Sanders being perfect, whether it's a little bit of turnover luck, that it just seems to kind of be going the opposite way, even if we want to say penalty luck, because there were some absolutely brutal, brutal penalties against the Dolphins in this game. Uh, I probably didn't get as mad as, as I should have for the sake of the Dolphins were winning this game. Uh, but Josh, Brandon Jones and Jerome Baker each had six tackles. Javon Holland had seven. That was the biggest play, the, the sack by Brandon Jones. Joe Flacco was only sacked twice in the day. And, you know, I hate to say this, but he did a pretty good job of getting the ball out, getting it to different receivers. Josh, there were five different players that had receptions of 14 yards for the Jets. So when I'm watching this game, I can see why the staff of someone like Javon Holland, the way he moves around the field. Like I said, he led the team in tackles. But I can also see why Jason McCourty was so involved in this defense before getting hurt in terms of, you know, being that guy who can be that backdoor coverage, be that guy in the secondary. Uh, not trying to knock Javon Holland. He's young. He's a very flashy player. But this is where this type of defense of the Dolphins run, where it's 1v1, uh, have the best guy make a play. I mean, this is where you can kind of see what the Dolphins are trying to do and the missing pieces uh, that they currently don't have in that secondary. Jake. Pieces that need to grow, I guess I should even say. Exactly, Jake. And I think we do see, you know, why the Jets chose to go with Joe Flacco. I mean, the Dolphins were crowding the line. They were bringing a lot of that pressure that we saw, but Flacco was able to get the ball off. He was able to make some plays that maybe a younger quarterback isn't capable of. I mean, the biggest name and the guy that stood out most to me was Elijah Moore. You've written down here, he caught eight of 11 targets for 141 yards, had that one touchdown, had that 62-yard long play. I mean, this guy looked explosive, looked dynamic, and looked like that playmaker that, you know, we talked about in the previous podcast, Jake. He is going to be, the, you know, that superstar receiver for the New York Jets for many years to come. And on the flip side, I mean, Michael Carter, I mean, when he was out there, he looked, uh, you know, pretty damn well, broke off a pretty big mm -hmm. play early on. I think it was 39 yards. So uh, that offense definitely surprised me again when he came into this thinking that the Dolphins just did what they did to Lamar Jackson. I mean, I don't think anybody truly thought that the Dolphins would be, you know, in a 7-7 battle hanging into the half and just that Joe Flacco would go out there and make some of the plays he did because he did look sharper than what we saw last season when the Dolphins beat him 24 nothing. Josh, I need, I need, can I can I cry on your shoulder for a quick second here? I, I know nobody yes. likes to talk about fantasy football. Uh, I'm five and there's six and five in one league. What 
five and six in our league, whatever it may be. I faced Jonathan Taylor in oh. both leagues this week. <laughs> Additionally, I played Dan Arnold in both leagues who gave me goose eggs. Additionally squared in one of the leagues, I played Dan Arnold over Elijah Moore, who would have won me the game. So I am so sad. I am dying inside. And uh, thank God the Dolphins won or I'd, I'd be under a rock. Yeah, I, I I don't know how to help you out of that, Jake. I mean, whether you play if you play Jonathan Taylor, if you played Austin Eckler, I mean, it was a sad week for fantasy. But um, if you had him on your team, it was the complete opposite, right? So uh, beat up, I'm, sitting back. I'm, I'm glad the Dolphins were able to win this one, and you know, give you something to be happy about. But Jake, I mean, the defense. Josh, your boy Jalen Phillips, he had a sack, uh, but at the same time, man, he had a really bad personal foul call, and Brian Flores did something he doesn't do often, and that is go away from his press conference script where it's just the coach speak over and over. Uh, He said that Jalen Phillips has made a lot of improvements. We need to not have 15 yard penalties. Josh, it seemed like one where sometimes someone's running on the sideline and they're a little over aggressive and you think, Oh, maybe, maybe the, his weight was just carrying him and you can kind of can give him the benefit of the doubt. This wasn't one of those examples. Uh, Flores went on to say, obviously there's a lot of fire, a lot of intensity, a lot of energy when talking about Jalen Phillips. We ha- we've got to channel that in the right ways, which he's done most of the time, but not yesterday on one particular play. Josh, when you saw, or I should say heard Brian Flores say this type of stuff about Phillips, what went through your mind? Because I instantly thought, when else has he ever done this? Other than, I guess, the Xavier Howard situation is the only time I haven't heard him stick to that script. Yeah, maybe this is just, you know, the new Brian Flores that we're going to get used to. I mean, ever since that trade deadline, Jake, when he's come out to his pressers, it does seem like he's a little bit more definitive, you know, a little bit more straightforward. But I think this is more or less him just realizing that there's a young player like Phillips who, you know, week after week, you're starting to see at times him maybe playing a little bit, you know, through the whistle and maybe just getting a little bit too high energy out there and trying to restrain him back a little bit. Jake, you have written down here how well Zach Steeler has also played over the last few weeks. And it's a little bit sad. He's only played 19 snaps this past week. But I mean, when he's out there, I mean, that defensive line is able to, you know, look much different against the run. He's able to, you know, time and time again, you're seeing him flash in the backfield, tackle for loss, get pressure on the quarterback. So uh, you have to tip your hat for Zach Sealer when you're talking about defensive linemen who have been playing pretty damn well because he goes out there day in and day out and makes those plays. Yeah, I think the rotation is so weird on the defensive line. The Dolphins seem to have so many interior guys. I think Adam Butler has actually been getting a lot of snaps over the last couple of weeks you know um, in terms him. of that rotation. Patriot boy. Wilkins and Agba both had four pressures uh, for the Dolphins. Again, Joe Flacco, he was getting the ball out quick. He knew what to do with the football. Uh, but Josh, I thought this was an interesting statistic. The Dolphins gave up 102 rushing yards. The defensive line, for what it's been, uh, for what we saw against Joe Flacco and the Ravens, that's not what we saw against the Jets. But the Dolphins' defense is kind of turning a corner in terms of they don't have one of the worst rushing defenses in the entire league, Josh. Not only are they seventh over the last three games, averaging uh, about 90 yards given up, they are 13th overall in the year against the run, Josh. I mean, I have to say when this team was one and seven, I never saw that type of turnaround coming for this group. And it makes you feel a little more confident because I think we saw that, you know, you look at that Elijah Moore touchdown, the Dolphins are going to give up those big plays in the receiving game, uh, but it's not getting gashed on the run. That's the one thing where, you know, you, you can force fumbles, but I think this defense is prone to catching balls through the air, whether it's Javon Holland, Xavier Howard, whoever it may be, where stopping the run, I mean, that just gives those guys more opportunities to uh, catch some passes that are headed in their direction, even though I think they are still going to get hurt sometimes like we did see. Yeah, and that play, I mean, I don't know if you saw, but Byron Jones was, you know, on an island with Elijah Moore, and he just looked flat-footed and no answer for that move, and uh, that ball just went right through his outstretched arms. But, Jake, I mean, the 
run defense has completely changed. Like you said, from what we expected early on in the year, you don't know if a lot of that is because, you know, in recent weeks we threw out the statistics with how, I don't want to say poor the secondaries play, but they've allowed some big plays. So maybe teams are attacking this defense differently, but over these last few weeks, over this win streak, I mean, it just seems like everything's finally starting to come together. Jake, we see the secondary doing some of the things that we've, come to expect and you know just again with the run game the guys up front making those plays and you mentioned it these guys are so versatile that it just seems like they can bring in whoever they want up front it just seems that you know for the most part they're able to stop the run much better than weeks prior but uh, let's be honest Michael Carter going down definitely helped some of that because he looked like he was on pace for a huge game if he would have stayed healthy Josh you are 100% correct on that. One final note I have here, Washington and Miami are the only two teams inside that top seven uh, against the run who aren't in the playoffs right now. So the other five teams that are right there in the thick of the playoff race. So that's something to kind of keep in mind as we head towards uh, do or die time here for the Miami Dolphins, where we have to wonder, was that Thursday night game uh, simply the Dolphins, all their players, especially on defense, had their best game all together on the same night and it had uh, this in effect that turned into this impressive performance. And then additionally, was this just, you know, a tough matchup against an AFC East opponent, division rival, you're always gonna be played hard, yada, 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 or other Dolphins scratching and clawing their way towards just sticking in the hunt, maybe, you know, a six and uh, what, 11 season, whatever it may be. Josh, let's take a quick break. And on the other side, I want you to tell me all about Tua and this Miami Dolphins offense. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We talked about the defense and how they play, but I mean, let's be honest, a lot of fans are talking about the way Tua Tungavaloa played, went out there, completed 27 of 33 passes for 273 yards, had two touchdowns, had the interception, which I mean, let's be honest, that was just a terrible throw. But overall, Jake, I mean, Tua Tungavaloa went out there, didn't have a godly game, but went out there and executed exactly the way you'd expect made all the throws, and Jake finally, finally completed that long touchdown, a 65-yarder to Matt Collins. So give me your thoughts on Tua Tungvaloa, the good, the bad, and the ugly from this performance versus the Jets. The thing about creating content about the Dolphins, I think the thing you and I were most fearful of was the fact that this team was 1-7, and seven and what the hell are we going to talk about, right? There was no positives. There was no positive trends to really sink our teeth into. Tua is so interesting, and it's so... I'm going to have so much fun watching this dialogue around him change throughout the year because he did. That was a great pass, the 65-yard touchdown reception. Tua worked his way in that pocket perfectly. There was pressure in his face. He geared up and he fired it as, as best as he could. But, man, it looked like that was hard for him to do. And you just think about the fact he had to play it perfectly and the throw took so much effort where I don't really know if that's something we can expect on a consistent basis. So it's great to see. We know it's possible, but man, it just seems like for Tua to make these big plays happen, there has to be a lot of things to go right. And I'm not saying they can't, but I mean, you just see the limitations of his arm, which is an obvious, but the fact he did it is enough for us to sit here and say, hey, can he become that perfect quarterback? You mentioned that interception that was rough. It seems like he has one of those plays, two of those plays every single game. And when he sits here and averages 5.5 yards per attempt, 
you have to wonder if those plays are going to be enough for the Dolphins to think that maybe he isn't that franchise guy just for, you know, those silly interceptions, because it is a type of quarterback that has to be so perfect and work a completely perfect game plan to move the ball down the field. Jake, I mean, you honestly sound like Dolphins Twitter now. You know, you're almost, you know, going back and forth. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, man. You're 100% they, right. They have, you know, they have gone through this with a fine-tooth comb and tried to pick apart this throw, you know, as much as they could. I just saw it come across the, the Twitter stream, 52.32 air yards. So it was the longest throw of the week. And, Jake, I have this awesome stat here from the Miami Dolphins. Tongue of Iloa completed every pass he threw on three key scoring drives. That includes Miami's opening touchdown possession the touchdown drive to go up 21-14, and the drive at the end of the game that resulted in a field goal and gave Miami a two-score lead. Tungavaloa was 8 of 8. That's 100% for 58 yards and one touchdown in the fourth quarter versus the Jets since week six. He is 37 of 49 for 458 yards, four touchdowns, and has a 114.2 passer rating in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, Tungavaloa has been playing very well in the fourth quarter, and I had to throw those numbers out there, you know, just to kind of back that up, Jake. But I think what's most impressive, though, Jake, I mean, I agree with you on that throw, that 65-yarder. It did look like he put a lot into that, but the way he was able to elude pressure, the way he was able to step yeah, up it was a touch in the pocket. I, I'm, and, not, yeah. I'm not hating on it. I, no, I'm sorry yeah. to cut you off. I just want to make that clear. Yeah, I know. And you're, either way, no matter what we say, it's going to get twisted and turned. I mean, you saw that throw from Justin Herbert where he was just flat-footed and just used all arm and, like, sort, you know, threaded yeah, that thing 40 exactly. yards down the field. I mean uh, – no one can argue that there's a difference in here, but I mean, the, the same can be said about just how accurate Tua is, you know, in those intermediate exactly. and those short passes. And I think that is a lot of what fans loved about him coming out. And I think that's a lot of the reason fans can be excited moving forward, because I mean, when you see him make some of those throws, some of those third down plays to, you know, Jalen Waddle on the sideline, I think he threw one to Mike Isiki. I mean, he's making some passes that, um, you know, honestly look like they're laser guided the way they're getting to the receiver's hands. He might mm -hmm. not have that deep arm strength, but he does definitely have that accuracy, that elite decision-making that we've seen. And uh, I'm excited to see the way he pulls things together, Jake, over the last few weeks of the season, because if the Dolphins could somehow pull this thing together, I mean, they're what, four and seven right now, battle back to seven and seven. I mean, then everything is on two of time of lowest shoulders heading into a potential postseason push. I mean, exciting times to be a Dolphins fan compared to where we were maybe four weeks ago. Yeah, Josh, and I mentioned that Tua's average depth of target was just 5.5 yards, and this is where this debate can just rage on, and there's so many roots to each side of the argument you want to have here, because we could sit here and yell about the 20-yard box, but he did have those completions, uh, but he did only have four attempts that were more than 10 yards downfield, but I'm just going to keep hitting this butt like it's a birdie and I'm playing badminton. The Quick passes, the 5.5 yards of depth. Is there a coincidence with that, that Austin Jackson allowed no pressures? Is there a coincidence that maybe Jesse Davis and Liam Eichenberg combined for just seven pressures? I mean, we are not going to figure out this year, and that's kind of the crazy thing. It's like you know uh, TV shows filming a next season. We don't know if the Dolphins are with two. Don't get me wrong. I, I have absolutely no idea here. But yeah, wonder, hey, if they improve this offensive line, does that average depth of throw instantly increase because he's got more time in the pocket or is he just going to be this quarterback who does this for his entire career we just cannot honestly say right now and I think that's the most interesting thing to really dive into when we're talking about Tua yeah and I, I want to throw this out there CK Parrott said Tua Tungvalu is the fourth least sack quarterback in the NFL despite being behind the worst offensive line in the NFL by a country mile so Jake I do think that's a lot of the testament to you know those quick passes and I do think that's masking some of those pressures but again when you go back and look what Tua did so well at Alabama. I mean, it was his ability to get the ball out quick. Again, mm -hmm. that accuracy that just made him a whole nother level of a dynamic playmaker.
And I don't know if you saw it, man, but at the end of this game, did you see John Franklin Myers when he mentioned that Tua Tungvaloa was throwing up all those prayers throughout the game? And did you see that comment from the Jets player? No, I didn't. I had to pull this up because John Franklin Myers of the New York Jets said that Tua was throwing up prayers in this game and sometimes prayers are answered. So I, I don't know if he was referring to that 65 yard. I don't know what he was referring to, but, um, you know, Tua went out there, dissected this defense and made enough throws to, to give the Dolphins a victory. So I don't know what prayers he was referring to, but I thought it was funny that the Jets were throwing shade at Tua after this win. And, you know, we're going to see him in Miami in a couple of weeks. So I'm sure that's going to be something that's brought up again. Josh, Tua was under pressure on just seven total dropbacks. One of those was Gaskin's five-yard touchdown reception, which honestly, man, I thought that was one of the best throws of the game because everything was falling apart around him. Uh, he put his faith in his receiver. And in fact, Josh, outside of this five-yard reception, Miles Gaskin had two receptions for two yards. Um, so you kind of look at the, to go back to Tua, and we'll wrap up this conversation and switch the running back in just a moment. You look at the yin and the yang of Tua, the the instinctiveness, the the he understanding of where the pressure is coming from and ability to get rid of the ball. And then you see the interception where he just yeets it over your wide receiver's head and into, you know, a safety. It's the yin and the yang. And you just wonder where that yang's gonna, you know, the line's gonna come for that. Is he going to be able to clean up these interceptions, or is this something the dolphins are gonna have to embrace and understand? Maybe he's going to have one or two poor throws a, a day, and that's just kind of comes with the territory. And that was honestly the first thing I thought when he threw that interception. I mean, it was, okay, is that that one bad play? Is he going to get it out of his system now and Every you know, game do though, what man, he does? And, but, and I mean, but to, his, to be fair, he did bounce back, right? He did start to 100%. play good. But, I mean, that is definitely between, you know, the durability and between, you know, those throws. I mean, that's part of the reason the Miami Dolphins have a little bit of doubt. Before we move on to the running backs, Jake, I don't know. I, I don't know if you were tagging this, but John Sharfman tweeted at me and he put two of Valo's first 17 games. He has 15 starts. He's eight and seven. 20 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, six rushing touchdowns, and has 3,285 yards. That's a 65.7 completion percentage. So uh, those are what his stats would look like over a 17-game season. Again, he only started 15 games. But, um, you know, if you told me Tua Tonvalo was going to throw 20 touchdowns, uh, you know, have 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and 3,300 yards through the air, I mean, that's a pretty damn good season if it was his rookie year. Again, we're into what, year two now? But I, I liked what I saw to Tua. I liked, you know – this way, this offense, man, it's starting to take the necessary steps and starting to look like, you know, again, that offense that we expected at the beginning of the year. And, and part of that, Jake, was because the, the Dolphins were able to run the football a little bit in this game. Yep. 23 attempts for 89 yards for Miles Gaskin. We even got to see a little bit out of Duke Johnson, Jake. And um, I mean, it was only four carries for 18 yards, but I thought what we saw to Duke Johnson was at least a little bit more explosion than what we maybe saw to Patrick Laird, who uh, shame on us, but man, that play that Patrick Laird had on that opening drive that Crazy. kept that thing alive. Hell yeah, man. That was an awesome play. So I'm, I'm glad I somehow translated that. Josh, you mentioned Miles Gaskin having 23 carries. Man, he only forced one tackle in the entire day. It seemed like the offensive line was creating some holes. And then Gaskin was just kind of getting spun down like a corkscrew, arm tackles. It just seemed like he could not break that big one to make those 23 carries look a lot better than they should have for 89 yards. Against the defense, Josh, that is horrible against the run. You see, you said Duke Johnson came in and he played pretty well. Patrick Laird played pretty well. We'll bring it up now. Phil Lindsay was just cut by the Houston Texans. How much more of Miles Gaskin can we really stomach before we start looking at these other guys and wonder, hey, is there maybe an opportunity here to move on? Because, I mean, Gaskin's usage in this offense is so high where you can't just kind of plug out an RB1 for one week and plug in a new one. But, man, I think you got to start kind of pulling away from him just a little bit and give these other guys an opportunity. 
Yeah, and it goes back to just, you know, being heartbroken that the Dolphins have no Igbenogany sitting there, uh, you know, rotting away on an inactive list. And yeah, not Jonathan Taylor, even J.K. I'd rather have J.K. Dobbins on the injured reserve right now than I would know Igbenogany. So um, I I don't know if, you know, this was the final nail in the coffin, Jake. You know, I don't know if bringing in Philip Lindsay is going to be what ultimately pushes Gaskin out. But I think there is definitely an opportunity here for the Dolphins to potentially bring in a player who, I mean, I I like Salvin Ahmed, but do the Dolphins? I mean, they haven't been using him very much. I mean, they signed Malcolm Brown in the offseason. Where's he at? You know, he's done nothing. He's hurt. So, I mean, why not bring in Philip Lindsay? Why not kick the tires on him? But when they just brought in Duke Johnson, when, you know, he finally learned the playbook and, and got ready to go out there and play, he looked pretty good. So I don't know if they'll mm-hmm. bring in Philip Lindsay, but I've always looked at Philip Lindsay as that guy that, you know, is a bruiser that can take a beating and, you know, get that sure yardage. And when you look at what the Miami Dolphins have struggled with all season long, it was getting that sure yardage. So um, if the Dolphins, if it's any indication on what we've seen from Chris Greer and Brian Flores in the past, they'll absolutely kick the tires on Philip Lindsay. But I can't sit here and say with 100% confidence that would be an upgrade. And I, de- but I definitely can't say it wouldn't. And Jake, I don't know about you, man, but the way this offense was able to run the ball late in the game when everyone knew they were going to run the football, I mean, that's what's so yep. baffling to me. I mean, they struggle from time to time, but when the game, you know, when they needed to string together that, what, eight-minute drive late in the game to get that field goal and put this game away, they did it. And I mean, again, everyone in the stadium knew they were going to run the football. They lined up there and they ran the ball down their throat. And then when the Dolphins had to convert those third downs, that's when Tua Tavolo went out there and you saw that accuracy on display. So this game was definitely a lot more difficult called tell me what a like jake you know going up there and playing the jets we would have loved to have this uh 31 13 like i predicted but to come out there with a 24 17 win uh with how i don't want to say well the jets played but they look pretty decent right uh you got to feel pretty good about this josh to wrap up the the running back talk i i would think it'd be a little this is going to sound a little crazy but would you think this this Rushing game would have looked better with Malcolm Brown out there because, man, some of the holes I saw, I we saw him sprint for a 30-yard touchdown uh, through one of these holes. And it, it's just kind of strange where I don't think you could ask any, I don't know, football expert and say, hey, a player got 23 carries against the New York Jets. Did they crack 100 rushing yards? And I think most of them would say yes, that they controlled the clock most of the game. And the Dolphins did that. They, they had a lead for a good chunk of the second half. And it's just kind of weird that this running game it continues to struggle. And it's not simply he's getting met in the backfield each and every play. Josh, before we wrap up here, we got to talk about the wide receivers because we have Jalen Jarvis Landry Waddle coming alive. Actually, he's been alive all season. He caught eight of nine targets for 65 yards. I don't want the Landry thing to sound like, like a negative aspect, but he was there for the first downs. I mean, he didn't have any of those big plays, but he was consistent. He moved the sticks, and that's kind of what the Dolphins' offense is. I can see that volume blowing up once the Dolphins have time to let plays develop, and he can kind of make second and third moves to get open. Uh, but, I mean, man, he continues to impress. He makes some smart plays. I think there was one where he walked out of bounds after getting a first down, but, I mean, your first year in the NFL, you're going to get used to where those boundaries are in, in year two, three. That's what being a rookie is all about. Yeah. And Jalen Waddle is now third, I think, all time in rookie receptions for the Dolphins. But Jake, I mean, he went out there and again, he's been consistent. I mean, you can't sit here and argue that Jalen Waddle hasn't been consistently one of the yep. Miami Dolphins best offensive playmakers. And when, you know, when you trade up, when you made that decision to that he was your guy, I mean, that's all you could ask. I think, you know, once he once we start seeing some of that big play potential unleashed, I think that's when we're really going to see Jalen Waddle hit his stride and then maybe he'll break away from that Jarvis Landry thing. But um, one thing I really enjoyed Jake was that play down at the goal line where uh, Tua yep. motioned out, right. And then, um, 
Miles Gaskin, Wildcat, you know, right to Jalen Waddle. And at that point, it was just a foot race to the pylon. And there's not many people in the NFL that's going to beat him there. So um, when you're sitting there talking about the running back and their struggles, I was going to joke that maybe the Dolphins should sit here and use uh, Jalen Waddle at running back because the explosion that he brings is just an entirely different level. You have written down here, Mike is sick. He caught five of six targets for 50 yards. That's much better than he 0 for 7 a week ago. <laughs> and discussed at the end of the last podcast, Jake, but we needed to bring it up. I mean, now that Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard have been signed, I think Goddard's now third among NFL tight ends, 14.25 per year. At what point, Jake, are the Dolphins going to sign Mike Gesicki? Because Goddard's now making more than Mark Andrews. I mean, is Mike Gesicki not just the next guy to make that contract that's going to fit him up there with the Travis Kelsey's and George Kittle? I mean, that's the way it seems to me, but I don't know if the Dolphins are going to open up the money bag. I don't think they have a money bag to open up during the regular season, Josh. This is something where I wonder if we're going to kind of get into a big debate. Are the Dolphins going to franchise tag Emmanuel Agba or Mike Kosicki? Um, But man, they have enough money where they can kind of make something happen before free agency starts, kind of lock him into some sort of, I don't want to say quote unquote team friendly deal, but a deal that seems fair for both sides. That's kind of what I'm hoping for with Mike Kosicki. Josh, I want to wrap this up with two big picture thoughts about the offense. One, what was your thoughts about the wildcat where it was Tua starting in the backfield and then just running out to the side? Because I got to be honest, man, I don't think I was a big fan of that. It's hard for me to say. I was looking at it from both sides. You know, if the Dolphins were truly going to come out there and run the football, what better way than to get the ball to the running back right away and right. have him then decide? But I mean, to me, you're down at the goal line. You've already struggled. You got to punch that ball in. And what better way to do that than have your quarterback throw the ball? So I hated taking the ball out of his hands in that situation. If anything, you know, it just, I don't know, could be setting him up for a bad snap or something like that. Just taking him out of rhythm. I didn't like it at all, but um, I did like some of that up-tempo stuff the Dolphins did. I know Tua said he likes doing that, keeping the defense off – keeping the defense on the back of their feet. So hopefully we see some more of that up-tempo stuff. But the Wildcat, uh, I, I don't know, man. We can scrap that if, if I have to decide. I mean, you can make the argument you want to put the ball in your best player's hands. If it was the Wildcat and it ended with Waddle scoring the touchdown, that's one thing. But I just think we're, if you're going to give it to Gaskin 15 times like that, I mean, I feel like Tua is one of your better players on offense, or you want him to be, right? You need to see him be one of those better players and taking the ball out of his hands isn't going to be the successful way to understand how this offense can operate. But little negative, let's end it on a positive. Josh, this is the second week in a row where the Dolphins have had guys wide open streaking down the sidelines. Is it time to start giving this offensive coaching staff a little bit of credit of, hey, this vision is finally coming together. We're seeing an offense that can work. And while some things might, we can still be critical about, we see a vision and we see some sort of success instead of just, you know, where are we going with this? I mean, I remember the Adam Gase offenses that were just 28th, 29th in the league, no big plays, no nothing. This, at least we see how this team can really take advantage of opposing defenses. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't be so surprised. I mean, this offense was going out there and trying to execute with Jacoby Brissett for a few weeks. And now that they slowly are starting to figure things out and come together, man, it's been beautiful. And I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because we had to mention George Godsey, his reaction after that play and the broken coverage. I mean, he just looked like he never saw anything like that in his entire life. And I don't know, man, part of me Go wonders, uh, yeah, how are these coordinators that surprised that this play worked or that Tua could fit the ball at 52 yards downfield. I mean, that to me was just the, the most crazy thing of it all. But I think it goes back to just the way this offense is starting to come together, the way Tua is able to execute. And I think this team, I mean, they're just playing hungry. Things are much different now that that trade deadline has passed. Now they're just starting to win some games. I mean, I think the Dolphins are getting confidence back. And I know Dolphins Twitter definitely is. Speaking of hunger, Josh, it is Thanksgiving week and we're going to spend two and a half days eating. So we're only going to do two shows this week. If you miss part of it, if you log out of the show early, 
The best way to know, unless other than us telling you when a show is going to be live, is to hit that subscribe button. So go ahead, do that. Spotify, iTunes, hitting subscribe, leaving reviews. That stuff helps us out so, so much. And, and we greatly appreciate everything you guys do for us. Where I'm going to get real corny and say it. You, we are thankful for you guys. So thank you guys so much for joining us. We will be back on Friday to talk about the Carolina Panthers and the Cam Newton drama. We did not forget about week one of the 2020 season. So stay tuned for that. I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. And we'll talk to you on Friday. Happy Thanksgiving. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins.